0: chapter thirty four of peveril of the peak by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dion gines salt lake city utah degenerate youth and not of teddeus's kind whose little body lodged a mighty mind iliad left quiet at least if not alone for the first time after the events of this troubled and varied day julian threw himself on an old oaken seat beside the embers of a sea-coal fire and began to muse on the miserable situation of anxiety and danger in which he was placed Where, wherewhether he contemplated the interests of his love his family affections or his friendships all seemed such a prospect as that of a sailor who looks upon breakers on every hand from the deck of a vessel which no longer obeys the helm as peveril sat sunk in despondency his companion in misfortune drew a chair to the opposite side of the chimney-corner and began to gaze at him with a sort of solemn earnestness which at length compelled him though almost in spite of himself to pay some attention to the singular figure who seemed so much engrossed with contemplating him geoffrey hudson we drop occasionally the title of knighthood which the king had bestowed on him in a frolic but which might introduce some confusion into our history although a dwarf of the least possible size had nothing positively ugly in his countenance or actually distorted in his limbs his head hands and feet were indeed large and disproportioned to the height of his body and his body itself much thicker than was consistent with symmetry but in a degree which was rather ludicrous than disagreeable to look upon his countenance in particular had he been a little taller would have been accounted in youth handsome and now in age striking and expressive it was but the uncommon disproportion betwixt the head and the trunk which made the features seem whimsical and bizarre an effect which was considerably increased by the dwarf's moustaches which it was his pleasure to wear so large that they almost twisted back amongst and mingled with his grizzled hair the dress of this singular white announced that he was not entirely free from the unhappy taste which frequently induces those whom nature has marked by personal deformity to distinguish and at the same time to render themselves ridiculous by the use of showy colours and garments fantastically and extraordinarily fashioned but poor geoffrey hudson's laces embroideries and the rest of his finery were sorely worn and tarnished by the time which he had spent in jail under the vague and malicious accusation that he was somehow or other an accomplice in this all-involving all-devouring whirlpool of a popish conspiracy an impeachment which if pronounced by a mouth the foulest and most malicious was at that time sufficiently predominant to sully the fairest reputation it will presently appear that in the poor man's manner of thinking and tone of conversation there was something analogous to his absurd fashion of apparel for as in the latter good stuff and valuable decorations were rendered ludicrous by the fantastic fashion in which they were made up so such glimmerings of good sense and honourable feeling as the little man often evinced were made ridiculous by a restless desire to assume certain airs of importance and a great jealousy of being despised on account of the peculiarity of his outward form after the fellow-prisoners had looked at each other for some time in silence the dwarf conscious of his dignity as first owner of their joint apartment thought it necessary to do the honours of it to the new-comer sir he said modifying the alternate harsh and squeaking tones of his voice into accents as harmonious as they could attain i understand you to be the son of my worthy namesake and ancient acquaintance the stout sir geoffrey peveril of the peak i promise you i have seen your father where blows have been going more plenty than gold pieces and for a tall heavy man who lacked as we martialists thought some of the lightness and activity of our more slightly made cavaliers he performed his duty as a man might desire i am happy to see you his son and though by a mistake i am glad we are to share this comfortless cabin together julian bowed and thanked his courtesy and geoffrey hudson having broken the ice proceeded to question him without further ceremony you are no courtier i presume young gentleman julian replied in the negative i thought so continued the dwarf for although i have now no official duty at court the region in which my early years were spent and where i once held a considerable office yet i still when i had my liberty visited the presence from time to time as in duty bound for former service and am wont from old habit to take some note of the courtly gallants those choice spirits of the age amongst whom i was once enrolled you are not to compliment you a marked figure master peveril though something of the tallest as was your father's case i think i could scarce have seen you anywhere without remembering you peveril thought he might with great justice have returned the compliment but contented himself with saying he had scarce seen the british court tis pity said hudson a gallant can hardly be formed without frequenting it but you have been perhaps in a rougher school you have served doubtless my maker i hope said julian fie on it you mistake i meant said hudson "Ah, la francois you have served in the army no i have not yet had that honor said julian what neither courtier nor soldier master Peverell, said the important little man your father is to blame by cock and pie he is master peveril how shall a man be known or distinguished unless by his bearing in peace and war i tell you sir that at newbury where i charged with my troop abreast with prince rupert and when as you may have heard we were both beaten off by those cuckoldly hinds the trained bands of london we did what men could and i think it was a matter of three or four minutes after most of our gentlemen had been driven off that his highness and i continued to cut at their long pikes with our swords and i think might have broken in but that i had a tall long-legged brute of a horse and my sword was somewhat short in fine at last we were obliged to make volta face and then as i was going to say the fellows were so glad to get rid of us that they set up a great jubilee cry of there goes prince robin and cock robin ay ay every scoundrel among them knew me well but those days are over and where were you educated young gentleman? peveril named the household of the countess of derby a most honourable lady upon my word as a gentleman said hudson i knew the noble countess well when i was about the person of my royal mistress henrietta maria she was then the very muster of all that was noble lovely and loyal she was indeed one of the fifteen fair ones of the court whom i permitted to call me Piccolo o'mini a foolish jest on my somewhat diminutive figure which always distinguished me from ordinary beings even when i was young i have now lost much stature by stooping but always the ladies had their jest at me perhaps young man i had my own amends of some of them somewhere and somehow or other i say nothing if i had or no far less do i insinuate disrespect to the noble countess she was daughter of the Duke de la tremoille or more correctly des Thowers, but certainly to serve the ladies and condescend to their humours even when somewhat too free or too fantastic is the true decorum of gentle blood depressed as his spirits were peveril could scarce forbear smiling when he looked at the pygmy creature who told these stories with infinite complacency and appeared disposed to proclaim as his own herald that he had been a very model of valor and gallantry though love and arms seemed to be pursuits totally irreconcilable to his shrivelled weather-beaten countenance and wasted limbs julian was however so careful to avoid giving his companion pain that he endeavoured to humour him by saying that unquestionably one bred up like sir Geoffrey hudson in court and camps knew exactly when to suffer personal freedoms and when to control them the little knight with great vivacity though with some difficulty began to drag his seat from the side of the fire opposite to that where julian was seated and at length succeeded in bringing it near him in token of increasing cordiality you say well master peveril said the dwarf and i have given proofs both of bearing and forbearing yes sir there was not that thing which my most royal mistress henrietta maria could have required of me that i would not have complied with sir i was her sworn servant both in war and in festival in battle and pageant sir at her majesty's particular request i once condescended to become ladies you know, have strange fancies to become the tenant for a time of the interior of a pie of a pie said julian somewhat amazed yes sir of a pie i hope you find nothing risible in my complaisance replied his companion something jealously not i sir said peveril i have other matters than laughter in my head at present so had i said the dwarfish champion when i found myself imprisoned in a huge platter of no ordinary dimensions you may be assured since i could lie at length in it and when i was entombed as it were in walls of standing crust and a huge cover of pastry the whole constituting a sort of sarcophagus of size enough to have recorded the epitaph of a general officer or an archbishop on the lid sir notwithstanding the conveniences which were made to give me air it was more like being buried alive than aught else which i could think of i conceive it sir said julian moreover sir continued the dwarf there were few in the secret which was contrived for the queen's divertissement for advancing of which i would have crept into a filbert nut had it been possible and few as i said being private in the scheme there was a risk of accidents i doubted while in my darksome abode whether some awkward attendant might not have let me fall as i have seen happen to a venison pasty or whether some hungry guest might not anticipate the moment of my resurrection by sticking his knife into my upper crust and though i had my weapons about me young man as had been my custom in every case of peril yet if such a rash person had plunged deep into the bowels of the supposed pasty my sword and dagger could barely have served me to avenge assuredly not to prevent either of these catastrophes certainly i do so understand it said julian who began however to feel that the company of little hudson talkative as he showed himself was likely rather to aggravate than to alleviate the inconveniences of a prison nay continued the little man enlarging on his former topic i had other subjects of apprehension for it pleased my lord of buckingham his grace's father who now bears the title in his plenitude of court favour to command the pasty to be carried down to the office and committed anew to the oven alleging preposterously that it was better to be eaten warm than cold and did this sir not disturb your equanimity said julian my young friend said geoffrey hudson i cannot deny it nature will claim her rights from the best and boldest of us i thought of nebuchadnezzar and his fiery furnace and i waxed warm with apprehension but i thank heaven i also thought of my sworn duty to my royal mistress and was thereby obliged and enabled to resist all temptations to make myself prematurely known nevertheless the duke if of malice may heaven forgive him followed down into the office himself and urged the master cook very hard that the pasty should be heated were it but for five minutes but the master cook being privy to the very different intentions of my royal mistress did most manfully resist the order and i was again reconveyed in safety to the royal table and in due time liberated from your confinement i doubt not said peveril yes sir that happy and i may say glorious moment at length arrived continued the dwarf the upper crust was removed i started up to the sound of trumpet and clarion like the soul of a warrior when the last summons shall sound or rather if that simile be over audacious like a spell-bound champion relieved from his enchanted state it was then that with my buckler on my arm and my trusty bilboa in my hand i executed a sort of warlike dance in which my skill and agility then rendered me pre-eminent displaying at the same time my postures both of defence and offence in a manner so totally inimitable that i was almost deafened with the applause of all around me and half drowned by the scented waters with which the ladies of the court deluged me from their casting bottles i had amends of his grace of buckingham also for as i tripped a hasty morris hither and thither upon the dining-table now offering my blade now recovering it i made a blow at his nose a sort of estromacan the dexterity of which consists in coming mighty near to the subject you seem to aim at yet not attaining it you may have seen a barber make such a flourish with his razor i promise you his grace sprung back a half yard at least he was pleased to threaten to brain me with a chicken-bone as he disdainfully expressed it but the king said george you have but a roland for an oliver and so i tripped on showing a bold heedlessness of his displeasure which few dared to have done at that time albeit countenanced to the utmost like me by the smiles of the brave and the fair but well-a-day sir youth its fashions its follies its frolics and all its pomp and pride are as idle and transitory as the crackling of thorns under a pot the flour that is cast into the oven were a better simile thought Peveril. good god that a man should live to regret not being young enough to be still treated as baked meat and served up in a pie his companion whose tongue had for many days been as closely imprisoned as his person seemed resolved to indemnify his loquacity by continuing to indulge it on the present occasion at his companion's expense he proceeded therefore in a solemn tone to moralize on the adventure which he had narrated young men will no doubt think one to be envied he said who was thus enabled to be the darling and admiration of the court julian internally stood self exculpated from the suspicion and yet it is better to possess fewer means of distinction and remain free from the backbiting the slander and the odium which are always the share of court favour men who had no other cause cast reflections upon me because my size varied somewhat from the common proportion, and jests were sometimes unthinkingly passed upon me by those I was bound to, who did not, in that case, peradventure, sufficiently consider that the wren is made by the same hand which formed the bustard, and that the diamond, though small in size, outvalues ten thousandfold the rude granite nevertheless they proceeded in the vein of humour and as i could not in duty or gratitude retort upon nobles and princes i was compelled to cast about in my mind how to vindicate my honour towards those who being in the same rank with myself as servants and courtiers nevertheless bore themselves towards me as if they were of a superior class in the rank of honour as well as in the accidental circumstance of stature and as a lesson to my own pride and that of others it so happened that the pageant which i have but just narrated which i justly reckon the most honourable moment of my life excepting perhaps my distinguished share in the battle of round way down became the cause of a most tragic event in which i acknowledge the greatest misfortune of my existence the dwarf here paused fetched a sigh big at once with regret and with the importance becoming the subject of a tragic history then proceeded as follows you would have thought in your simplicity young gentleman that the pretty pageant i have mentioned could only have been quoted to my advantage as a rare masking frolic prettily devised and not less deftly executed and yet the malice of the courtiers who maligned and envied me made them strain their wit and exhaust their ingenuity in putting false and ridiculous constructions upon it in short my ears were so much offended with allusions to pies puff-paste ovens and the like that i was compelled to prohibit such subject of mirth under penalty of my instant and severe displeasure but it hapt there was then a gallant about the court a man of good quality son to a knight baronet and in high esteem with the best in that sphere also a familiar friend of mine own from whom therefore i had no reason to expect any of that species of jibbing which i had intimated my purpose to treat as offensive howbeit it pleased the honourable mr crofts so was this youth called and designed one night at the groom porters being full of wine and waggery to introduce this threadbare subject and to say something concerning a goose-pie which i could not but consider as levelled at me nevertheless i did but calmly and solidly pray him to choose a different subject failing which i let him know i should be sudden in my resentment notwithstanding he continued in the same tone and even aggravated the offence by speaking of a tomtit and other unnecessary and obnoxious comparisons whereupon i was compelled to send him a cartel and we met accordingly now as i really loved the youth it was my intention only to correct him by a flesh wound or two and i would willingly that he had named the sword for his weapon nevertheless he made pistols his election and being on horseback he produced by way of his own weapon a foolish engine which children are wont in their roguery to use for spouting water eh eh in short i forget the name a squirt doubtless said peveril who began to recollect having heard something of this adventure you are right said the dwarf you have indeed the name of the little engine of which i have had experience in passing the yards at westminster well sir this token of slight regard compelled me to give the gentleman such language as soon rendered it necessary for him to make more serious arms we fought on horseback breaking ground and advancing by signal and as i never miss aim i had the misadventure to kill the honourable master crofts at the first shot I would not wish my worst foe the pain which I felt when I saw him reel on his saddle and so fall down to the earth, and when I perceived that the life-blood was pouring fast, I could not but wish to heaven that it had been my own instead of his. Thus fell youth, hopes, and bravery, a sacrifice to a silly and thoughtless jest, yet, alas, wherein had i choice seeing that honour is as it were the very breath in our nostrils and that in no sense can we be said to live if we permit ourselves to be deprived of it the tone of feeling in which the dwarfish hero concluded his story gave julian a better opinion of his heart and even of his understanding than he had been able to form of one who gloried in having upon a grand occasion formed the contents of a pasty he was indeed enabled to conjecture that the little champion was seduced into such exhibitions by the necessity attached to his condition by his own vanity and by the flattery bestowed on him by those who sought pleasure in practical jokes the fate of the unlucky master crofts however as well as various exploits of this diminutive person during the civil wars in which he actually and with great gallantry commanded a troop of horse rendered most men cautious of openly rallying him which was indeed the less necessary as when left alone he seldom failed voluntarily to show himself on the ludicrous side at one hour afternoon the turnkey true to his word supplied the prisoners with a very tolerable dinner and a flask of well-flavoured though light claret which the old man who was something of a bon vivant regretted to observe was nearly as diminutive as himself the evening also passed away but not without continued symptoms of garrulity on the part of geoffrey hudson it is true that these were of a graver character than he had hitherto exhibited for when the flask was empty he repeated a long latin prayer but the religious act in which he had been engaged only gave his discourse a more serious turn than belonged to his former themes of war ladies love and courtly splendor the little knight harangued at first on polemical points of divinity and diverged from this thorny path into the neighboring and twilight walk of mysticism he talked of secret warnings of the predictions of sad-eyed prophets of the visits of monitory spirits and the rosicrucian secrets of the Kabbalah, all which topics he treated of with such apparent conviction nay with so many appeals to personal experience that one would have supposed him a member of the fraternity of gnomes or fairies whom he resembled so much in point of size in short he persevered for a stricken hour in such a torrent of unnecessary tattle as determined peveril at all events to endeavour to procure a separate lodging having repeated his evening prayers in latin as formerly for the old gentleman was a catholic which was the sole cause of his falling under suspicion he set off on a new score as they were undressing and continued to prattle until he had fairly talked both himself and his companion to sleep chapter thirty four